Welcome back to Gals on Topic, your favorite book club, and then some. I'm Sadie. I'm Izzy. Did I miss? Did I know? I forgot up? to pick my microphone up. I was I was just <laughs> leaning back in my chair, and then and then I realized I had to speak, so I literally lunged towards it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could just keep this in though. Let's keep well, rolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, today's topic is uh, this is only episode two. We can't be like completely losing it so early <laughs> on. <laughs> we honestly haven't recorded virtually in a while. And when when I'm, we're virtual, I sit in my chair, I hold my microphone with my hand instead of having it on a stand, and you know, it threw me off for a second. I think also you're seeing me with mine on a stand, and so it might have like. And I have my iPad, and that really my iPad like just distracts me because I'm so excited to have my notes on here for the first time. That thing is massive. That iPad is massive. (laughs) Izzy just got an iPad. We got all of the technology lately. Yeah. We have all the Apple products, but yeah, I got a new iPad through work and now I get to have all my notes on here and I feel like a real podcaster. (laughs) I'm still, I still use the, use the old laptop, but yesterday I went to the Apple store and got like a full haul and I got a new phone, new AirPods and a new Apple watch. All the things. It's, it's wonderful. We, I needed it. Did we, we even, John and I, go ahead. I was going to say, before we continue, should we say what chapters we're, read, we're up recapping oh, yeah. today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so today's topic is Fourth Wing, chapters four through six. Yes. We got there. We I'm very excited. We're good. We're settled now. <laughs> um, overall, like, are, did you like these chapters? better than the first three like what were your initial thoughts oh I said we're settled now that my iPad flew off my lap um (laughs) (laughs) um I did I like these chapters this felt more like um we got a lot of the setup and action like early on chapters one two and three and then this was more almost like a history lesson and foreshadowing what the actual conflict is going to be um and what kind of like battles they'll they'll be fighting in later on I think um which I liked like I think um I think it just set it's continuing to set up it's still interesting um I'm really ready to continue to get into more of the dynamics of her in her squad the, the wing with Satan and all that stuff. Cause right now I'm a little worried for Violet. It feels like she's kind of screwed. Like, like Zayden, you, you feel that way even after chapter six. Yeah. The end. Yeah. I just feel like Zayden Dane saying, well, we'll talk about it, but the fact that Zayden like wants to kill her and he's her boss, I'm like, what's she gonna do like she seems so fragile which she keeps saying which doesn't make me have confidence in her either so (laughs) okay well we'll get into it but I think um I need to acknowledge how just like tired my voice is and this (laughs) is like literally a three-day hangover I think really 
<laughs> it's like Tuesday. Like it, it's not even that I like have a headache or I'm like hung over basic symptoms, but like I cannot catch up on sleep. Like I'm so tired. Yeah. And it's because of our wild, wild gals weekend up in Chi-Town. Yeah, I think Saturday night we unnecessarily only got like four hours of sleep. Like, had we known that you guys would be trapped in Chicago, we could have slept longer. Um, But yeah, it was great. I was lucky to have all my indie girlfriends come stay with me, celebrate Saren's birthday, celebrate our friend Holly running the marathon. We had three great nights out in Chicago. Should we say like Truly. our high, our high lows and buffaloes? Oh, I love that idea. Um, you go first. Okay, so for anyone not familiar, high low buffalo, obviously highs and lows of the weekend, and then buffalo is something that just surprised you. And I do this mm-hmm. on I do this all the time. Like I do this we do this every time someone's having a birthday. We ask them their high-low buffaloes of the year. I do this like every day when I'm on a vacation with my family or with anyone. I'm like, what was yeah. your high-low buffalo of the day of the trip so far? It's just a fun way to reflect. Um, yeah, it's like a good way to like quickly recap and also like it starts conversations and like yeah. thinking about, you know, what happened or whatever. Yeah. So my high, I think, was... Friday night, because not only did I have all my indie girlfriends there, I also had all my Chicago friends over to my apartment. Um, It was kind of like a birthday party slash also kind of like a housewarming for me because a lot of people hadn't seen the apartment yet. And I love hosting people. I love having people over and I get very excited, but I also get like a little bit nervous because I want everyone to have fun. And I feel like everyone had a lot of fun. And I love friends meeting friends. I just felt like a really good time. At least I had a really good time. Um, no, I had, that was definitely my favorite night. Like I had so much fun with everyone. And I feel like, you know, it was like the third or fourth time I've met a lot of your friends from college. And I feel like now we're really starting to also be friends and, you know, be, you know, be cool. And, um, And so that was really fun, like talking with them and not feeling like they're strangers. And then also your, your welcome shot was so delicious. (laughs) I kept going. This is a, this is a great, this is a great recommendation for the fall. And I, it's, uh, what was it? Apple cider. It's apple cider. And then I blend it with cinnamon vodka. You can also use caramel vodka if you can find it. That's delicious, but I think it's a little bit harder to find. You mix it up and you pour it into a little shot glass. It's the perfect mixy shot. Um, it was I, so good. I was giving it to everyone upon arrival to my apartment. And I was like, I was telling everyone, I was like, everyone's raving about these. Like, you'll, no, like, don't worry. Because everyone sees the shot. They panic. I'm like, don't even worry. It's delicious. Everyone's saying so. <laughs> but everyone was saying so. They were really good. Yeah. Um, and they're really dangerous in the you can't even taste the alcohol. So, um you're looking for a little fall treat for before a night out highly highly recommend yeah um so those really got the people going like that really I think my strategy for hosting is just like get people drunk enough and they will have fun never fails (laughs) um that was my high my low was getting stung by a bee (laughs) 
Oh, I thought that was going to be the buffalo because it was so random. It was it was my low. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I got stung by a bee. I took everyone for a walk to the Lincoln Park Zoo, which was lovely. I love um, that. But a little bee decided to be crawling on, up on my neck. And then my friends tried to swat it away. And it stung me on my throat. I have never <laughs> been stung by a bee before. And my dad's allergic to bees. And I've always like throughout my life been like, I wonder if I'm allergic to bees. Like when I think about bee stings. So when I got stung on the throat, it was a little bit, I was a little bit panicked for a few minutes, like waiting for like anaphylactic shock to set in. I, <laughs> luckily, I'm not allergic to bees. And luckily we have a doctor and a nurse in the friend group. So I felt safe. But um, that was my low. And then my buffalo was... I'm torn between two, but I think I'm going to say how great the restaurant was Friday night also, because I was stressed about making a group reservation for seven. I haven't been in Chicago that long, and so I don't know too many places, and making group reservations is hard, and I was like really stressed trying to find a good place that would take have space for all of us. Um And I was going into this place a little bit blind and I felt like that was just such an amazing dinner and like perfect vibes, great food, great drinks, waiter, excellent, like 10 out of 10. Like I can't, I can't wait to go back. So shout out to Adelina. Yeah. I still wish I got that server's name. He deserves a 10 out of 10 review. He was fabulous. And that food was so good. I still have a picture of the gnocchi we shared. Oh, the picture is beautiful. I'll need to share it. Yeah. Um, for context, Sadie and I shared, we shared two pastas, but one was quite literally just gnocchi in tomato sauce. With and it some, was like a couple of basil leaves. Jaw droppingly good. And that's how you know. Unbelievable. That's how you know the Italian place is really good because if they can make just like the simplest pastas, incredible. Mm. 12 out of 10. Yeah. Okay, your turn. No, that was good. Um Okay. So, I hate to lead with the low, but the low was the hour-long Uber ride. <laughs> oh yeah. To the bar on Saturday night. Yeah, that's this fair. incompetent driver, and I hate to speak of a human being this way, but like he had no business being an Uber driver. No. Like, he missed like 10 turns. I'm yeah. like, you live in Chicago. Not only did he miss 10 turns, he already had missed a few. And we were like, we were probably like eight blocks from the restaurant. But all like if he had just turned right, he would have gotten there. And our friend Jocelyn was in the front seat. She's like, you need to be turning right here. Like we're, we're really close. And he was like, no, no. The directions are telling me to go this way. And then he got us back on the highway and we were at that point, we're seven minutes away. And it went up back to like 17 minutes away. The entire car ride was supposed to be 18 minutes. And we were in there for an hour. We were literally in there for an hour. And eventually we had to like put our foot down. Shout out Jocelyn. She was like, okay, you've now missed like 10 turns. And we've been in the car for 40 minutes. You need to listen to me. You are listening to me. And he's yeah. like, uh, okay. <laughs> so he was like, yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> He was scared of her, but as he should be, because I was about to also release my wrath. That was so annoying and like 
I'm good in cars, but like I do get car sick and traffic. It just, we were in there for an hour and, and I we needed were, a drink. And you and I were shoved in the very back of the car and we were hung over from the day before. Oh, that was, yeah, that was miserable. It was. Um, so I think my Buffalo was, this is going to sound corny, but I was genuinely like overwhelmed with emotion watching the marathon on Sunday. <laughs> that was it. That's a, that's a good Buffalo. Yeah. Like I, I don't know why, like I was like choked up. Like I was so inspired. <laughs> like, yeah. And, like when we saw our friend Holly, like I was like tearing up Like, and I yeah. don't know where it was coming. Like, I think I was like partly tired. I was, you know, partly hungover, but like just, it was just absolutely incredible to see. And like, also just like the overwhelming support of like how many people showed up to like cheer on their loved ones during the race was just, it was just like a really beautiful, beautiful yeah. moment. And I really got overwhelmed with emotion. You know, I did too. When we first stepped outside and were kind of a part of it, I feel like it's because it this all this sounds corny, but there's like few things that like really bring so many people in society together. And weirdly yeah. enough, a marathon is one of them. Like you are just out it's there so cheering true. on strangers, just seeing people accomplish such a big goal. Yeah. Like from all ages, you know, all backgrounds, all like skill levels of running. They're just out there like doing like an amazing thing. And it's really powerful. Yeah. It was incredible. And I really it stuck with me the rest of the day. And you know, I have since like before my vacation at the end of September, like I haven't worked out at all. Like it, I just like have been struggling to get myself back in my routine to get back my, get back my motivation. And I'm back this week, baby. <laughs> Sadie's going to run a marathon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that, but, um, it did make me like want to set some bigger goals in my life. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I really focus on like I learned about smart goals and like I'm always like very measurable and like little goals like quick attainable ones and it made me be like I want to set something like crazy and just manifest it you know what I mean yeah so that's that's where I'm at keep us updated um I'm really struggling with my high because I just feel like overall it was a perfect girls weekend like Every restaurant we went to was so good. I was like, I ordered all new clothes and I just felt like so cute the whole weekend. Like I, I really don't know. Like it was just like everyone was good vibes. I just love that group of girls. And like, I just really had the best time. Like I'm, oh, okay. I'm picking a point. Like overall amazing weekend. The point, my high I hit a bullseye in darts (laughs) and we won and we won. That was your high. (laughs) Yeah. Well, just know that if I could just say the whole weekend, it would be the whole weekend, but the bullseye and winning darts, that's never happened in my life. And I like actively contributed. Like I probably had like 40% of the points, which is like pretty good. That is good. I had no doubt in you that you would. Thank you. We like walked into a bar with all of my friends and it was making me laugh because I think on Friday night you were saying like, I feel like I was like alone the whole time. Like something happens where I was just like, I, I, 
I wasn't with people and like just at the, the club, just at the club. But the, I wander in but those situations. On Saturday nights, yeah, it's just you're so social. Like we walked into a bar where you knew it was mostly my friends, and like you know some of them loosely, and like getting to know them better at this point. But you immediately were just like up and with them, like playing darts with like people you've never met before. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was great like classic Sadie this is why I love bringing you places you're like the most outgoing Aww. person ever that's so nice um I think I just like don't necessarily thrive in clubs like I just get so lost and I don't really know the music so I have nothing like yeah. pulling me anywhere I don't know so Same. I liked the club but I just feel like in clubs there's so many people that I feel lost so I just wander and like observe <laughs> yeah drunkness same. The club but. was fun, but the random bar we were at Saturday night with with the amazing music really Oh my took god. The they played one time by Justin Bieber. Yeah. They played Best of Both Worlds. They went they played Best of Both Worlds. They also played Bedrock followed by One Time by Justin Bieber. Like yeah. you could not you could not play two songs that I love more. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Like, like that just was, we were so hype and we were like completely sober too. It was, I know it was really fun. It was really fun. Okay. We should probably get into it. Yes. Yes. Let's get into it. Okay. Here we go. Um, I think I got a little bit too story time last episode. Um, I was like really into just like telling the story. So I'm going to chill out a little this episode. (laughs) I'm it was still, great. I'm still figuring out what my rhythm is as the uh, recap role. Okay. You're doing so, great. Thank you. Um, we left off in chapter three with the closing of conscri- conscription day. You know, Violet made it across the parapet. Zayden gave like a very humbling speech to the cadets to really put them in their place and scare scare them out of their pants and we saw dragons for the first time. Um, so chapter four opens with the next morning where they are back down in the courtyard, standing in formation silently while the captain reads the death toll from the prior day's parapet. And then the scene after with the dragons. Um, so she's kind of reflecting on her night and there was 156 of the first years that share like one giant room for sleeping And I picture this similar to like what you see in war movies when they're like at training camp and there's just like a shit ton of bunk beds spread in a giant room. I hate that. Uh, That was my first note. I hate that so much that they all have to sleep in the same room because they say that you're safe in your sleep. But then Mira was like, yeah, but you're not really safe in your sleep. And it's just, you know, you have to see people like last thing before you go to bed and first thing when you wake up and it's a very hostile environment and you should have like one safe place and that should be your bed and doesn't even feel like we have that like there's just no relief that's true I was thinking that like I'm definitely someone who needs to be able to like retreat for a second and like have a moment of just like privacy even you know yeah, especially in this environment. It just, like I said, I kept getting more and more stressed for her. And I had no relief from feeling stressed least, for her. At least she did note that uh, Jack Harlow was not on her floor. Yes. Yes. But that's true. Um, 
Okay, so they're down in the courtyard. They finish off the death roll, and Dane turns to his squad, which includes Violet, and barks orders on where to head to class today and um, the how, like, I hope you ate breakfast because you won't have time now, and he's just, like, being a little aggressive. And again, Violet thinks it's very hard to reconcile and I quote, this stern-faced, serious leader with the funny, grinning guy I've always known, which I felt like was a kind of feeding into the point or prediction that you made last episode about um, she will probably keep having these moments of seeing how much he's changed, and now it's going to lead to like their eventual demise as a couple. Yeah, but he also like really, really has a soft spot for her. Okay, I know. And that's what I wrote in this moment is like agreeing with your prediction. But later I was like, whoa. So I want to talk about it more later when we get to it. Yeah, he just he kind of gives me whiplash because he is so stern. But he he really, really like needs to protect her or he will freak out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um. Um, so it's in this moment that she notices a large scar along his jaw um, from under his beard. Um, so I was curious if you had any guesses of like what it could be related to. Maybe it's from Zayden. Oh, shit. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't think about that. Maybe he and Zayden had to spar and Zayden cut him or so- he got it from sparring. So, yeah, probably. But like I'm what I'm like probably from sparring. But my I have like a very specific prediction. Okay. And I feel like this scar, like eventually there's going to be the moment. So this is my prediction then. But then like later I kind of have a change of heart about Dane. But in this moment, my prediction was that this scar like eventually when things blow up with them, he's going to like yell about a moment that changed him and made him this way and made him realize like what the world quote unquote is really like. And the scar is going to be related to that event. Yeah. I like that. Doesn't Satan mm-hmm. also have a scar on his face? He does. He does. Maybe they gave it to each other. That would be crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy. Or maybe they got it at like the same battle or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then like within Violet's thoughts, we get kind of like a little bit of a timeline of her training. And so this is kind of what you're saying about like, we get more of like forecasting uh, or foreshadowing. But so in two months, she'll have to pass the gauntlet, which is like a vertical style obstacle course. If they get to the top and complete that, they'll enter the box canyon which leads to a flight field for presentation where it's the first time the dragons will like get to look at them and assess them Um, and then two days after that is threshing um where they can be bonded to a dragon so it was it's just two months until they do that obstacle course right yes and then they could potentially bond with a dragon I guess I thought it was longer, but I thought I guess it was not. longer too. It seems yeah. like if once you bond with the dragon after two months, you're kind of you're in a little bit like you bonded with your dragon. Isn't that what all the training is for to be like worthy of bonding with the dragon? Yeah, I think I don't know. I that was surprising to me, too. 
But so many questions there, but I mean, that's good. I'm ready to have her have a dragon. Me too. Me too. <laughs> um, okay. So afterwards, the cadets start heading to class and Dane kind of whistles at her and gives her a little nod to follow him. So she sneaks away and enters like this beautiful rotunda it's called it's like a big circular room with a dome roof just like the most gorgeous place she's ever seen um and he kind of pulls her over behind one of the pillars and starts berating her with questions to see if she's okay if anyone tried to hurt her what happened he's his concern is very endearing um but then he glances at her like light silver hair and tells her she should cut her hair which is annoying because, like, you just don't really need a man telling you what to do. He, like, already does that in his normal <laughs> life. Um, I also, I know we mentioned this last time a lot, but they mention her hair a lot. Like, is someone going to, like, yank her hair at some point and that's going to be her downfall? Like, what is up with this hair and what is up with the silver piece of her hair? Like, somehow that's important and I just really don't see how. But they have mentioned it so many times for it to not be important. Yeah, it seems like the context right now is just that it, it's like an identifier for her. So like it just makes people know who she is and make puts a target on her back because she is a Soren Gale. But I agree there must be something more like maybe when she's bonded with her dragon or something like her magic like comes through her hair I don't know is is the silver hair an identifier of her being a Sorengale I thought in the first few chapters the silver hair was a sign of her like sickness that she had when she was younger I thought so like, too but I think it's like if someone's like hey that's Sorengale but she looks just like a basic other cadet it's like harder to like pick her out of a crowd but if you like know who she, that the girl with silver hair is Sorengale, it's like easy to find. I also wonder why she's so against cutting it. I think she just wants like to keep some form of self, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So Vi cuts him off. Um, and starts asking the important questions, which is a nice change of pace from our favorite darling who doesn't know how to ask questions. <laughs> um, she <laughs> said, why was our squad moved from second wing to fourth wing? Um, and Dane confirms her suspicions that Zayden wants her dead and it's common knowledge across leadership. Um, it just seems really unfair. <laughs> I agree. Shouldn't I the agree. other shouldn't the other leaders be like, hey, maybe then we won't put her in your squad? Like, it just feels unfair. Like, if but he's determined to kill him. her, I think they're scared. Yeah, of but, him. If, but the people at his level, like, I don't know. Like, it, if he's determined to kill her, like she, I'm like, what hope does she have? Like, I when we she first got to this school, it was comforting that Dane has her back because he's you know higher up but Zayden's higher up than him like Dane can't really do anything against Zayden so I'm just stressed that he can kill her so easily and he's her boss she can't really avoid him he has a dragon he has unknown magical signet or whatever all that's making me very nervous I am glad you're invested so much in her safety, but I will say we are reading, <laughs> we are reading from her perspective. 
Um, so she's she's probably good for like 39 chapters. I know. I just... <laughs> I need to get there. Like if I, I was doing this on my own pace, I already would have the answer because I could read it quickly. But just sitting <laughs> at it, I'm like, how could she, how, like, she's kind of screwed. You're like, make it make sense. Um, But it's kind of cute in this moment. Like Dane like cups her face and he's, because she's obviously visibly worried now that he's confirmed her suspicions. And he's like stroking her face, her cheek with his thumb. And he's like, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Um, but in this moment I had written that it's hard for me to fall for him here and get invested. Like I think the reader or the writer wants us to, um, because I just know that there's no way there isn't a pivot later. He also, there's a lot of him in this chapter and in the next two chapters that give Tamlin like his strong need to protect her and kind of like wants to override what she's actually saying just to protect her. And also the emptiness of his words saying like, I'm going to protect you. There's, I'm going to do like nothing will happen to you when we both, we all know that he can't really do that much. And that's what Tamlin was saying too. Like I just, I see a lot of parallels there. I did not even think of that. That's so true. I'm falling for it again. I'm falling for it again. And I think I think Dane's going to start to go crazy because he like can't protect her. And I think things are going to keep happening to her. And he just he makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, because I don't think he has a good handle on the situation. Yeah. Um. So Dane then tells her to just stand guard and keep a low profile, even in their academics classes, because Zayden's dragon is ruthless. And that's why his dragon picked him. Um, and you so, were right. Yep. It's the navy blue dragon is Zayden's. Um, and there, and her name is Sigail. Sigail. I looked it up. It's pronounced like scale, but with a G. So it's Sigail. It's just scale. Really weird. So um, it's not scale? Huh? So it's not scale. It's Sigail. Sigail, yeah. The phonetic okay. spelling is S-U-H-G-A-I-L. Okay, Sigail. Sigail. Okay. Um, I think it's like Scottish or something. Um, So Dane says, I don't know if this is important, but Dane says his dragon, Kath, is also a nasty piece of work, as all red sword tails are, but most of them all stay clear of Sigail. You know, I don't think he should be calling his dragon a nasty piece of work. That's your, that's like your pet. That's like, I think he's just like, trying to say it's badass. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I just feel like if you have a dragon that you, I would think it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So Violet also like has a realization in this moment, like, holy shit, like this is a new Dane. Like he has a fucking dragon. He has, <laughs> he powers. has a dragon. You like he that's crazy. Um and I guess he, I guess all writers get like some basic powers. So when we saw Dane like open the door automatically with his wave of his hand, like that's like a basic power. But then you also can get a signet power that's like specific to your dragon. Um yeah. so like some of them can be like water wielding and fire wielding but then some of them can be like and those are like common ones but 
some of them can be like super specific and unique and like um like I think her mom can like take the power wield the power of storms the commander um or like I forget what his title is but the one that like is after her mom's job he can like oh wait no the commander of the armies who's even higher than her mom can see the outcome of battles yeah yeah okay so anyway um so she asks dane what his is and he can read a person's most recent memories um but he has to put his hands on them to do it but and his signet is super classified people don't know about it he like has a patch on his shoulder that indicates that he has a signet that's classified um because he'll most likely be working in intelligence once he graduates Um, classic mind reading can't have a book in this genre without someone who can read minds that's true i honestly thought that this skill was lame because you have to touch (laughs) them um but then she clarifies it will make him one of the most powerful interrogation tools and that's an excellent point because like if you have someone trapped and tied up and you can just touch them and like see all their memories like hell yeah that's good totally and he's at some point going to read her mind totally and then see that she like hooked up with zayden or something totally that's what (laughs) i thought too (laughs) Um, okay, so then their conversation wraps up with a last warning from Dane that while Zayden is after her, he will he will do it within the lines of the codex, at least when people are watching. And he says, I was really good friends with Amber Ma- Mavis, the current wing leader for Third Wing last year, and I'm telling you, the codex is sacred to them. And his face flushes when he says this. So, like, it's got to be a former love interest, correct? Yeah, like he says, I was good, dot, 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 friends, as he blushes. So former flame, former flame Amber Mavis, which, you know, I don't love for our Violet because if Dane is like super protective of her, you know, Amber might, Amber might not like that either. And we don't need more enemies for our girl. We don't, we don't need more enemies. So um, I'm curious to see how that unfolds yeah so so they wrap up their convo she's got to get to class and they kind of like try to like um time when she leaves versus when dane leaves so she leaves first and she's like walking across she's like right in the middle of the rotunda and she feels zayden's eyes on her and she looks up and he's like a few stories up looking down over a balcony and then slowly after, or Dayton walks out trying to play it all cool. But then he also sees Zayden and they kind of just freeze and looking and look up at him. And he calls down. He's like, I already knew your parents are tight, but do you have to make it so fucking obvious? Which I just love. I love his villain energy. Um, and everyone goes silent. They're all kind of like everyone in the room is kind of looking at Dane and Vi. And he continues Zayden continues he's like let me guess childhood friends first loves even I just love it I love it so much and um and and Violet whispers to Dane she's like he can't hurt you without cause right like per per article four blah 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 you're a squad leader wing leaders can't can't hurt you and he's like correct but you're not and then um Zayden says 
I expected you to do a better job of hiding where your affections lie, Aetos. And then he starts coming down the steps. And Dane's like, run, Violet, now. And she bolts. And that's the end of the chapter. So this is what doesn't make sense to me. Like, this freaking codex. But So she, like, reports up through Zayden. Shouldn't Zayden not be able to harm her either? Like, shouldn't everyone in your, like, line of command, like, like... Her other cadets in her squad can't harm each other, but Zayden can harm all of them. Like, well, but he can't harm Dane. That's what's also confusing because literally right before he says he's after you, but he will do it in li- within the lines of the codex, at least when people are watching. So he's like, as long as you're not like you're staying with people, you're not doing anything wrong. Like he can't really hurt you. But then here he's like, run Violet. <laughs> yeah. But that's when I panicked. I was like, well, she cannot really avoid him. So her being like, run, run where, run where <laughs> he could be like, it doesn't seem like they have it's that big of a school, like run where. So that's, that's that chapter kind of stressed me out, but it seems like for now she's okay. But I, man, I need to see, I need them to reach a point of like stability between her and Zayden. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So chapter five, um, it opens with their first battle brief class with Professor Devera. Um, she discusses, Um, yeah. Can we first read the intro quote for chapter five? Oh my God. I totally forgot to read those. Chapter five one was interesting. Um, I I can read it. Yeah. Oh, wait, this is chapter six. Hold on. Do, do, do. Okay. Chapter five. The a little blurb from the like the ex, excerpts of the books and or whatever they're from says, knowing I am in direct disagreement with General Melgren's orders. I am officially objecting to the plan set forth in today's briefing. It is not this general's opinion that the children of the rebellion's leaders should be forced to witness their parents' executions. No child should watch their parent put to death. And that is a quote coming out of the Tyrish Rebellion. An official brief for King Tory by General Lilith Sorengale. Oh my god. So Sorengale is blamed for murdering the families. She's she's blamed for executing the 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 rebels. Yeah. But in this in this quote it's she's clearly saying she's clearly drawing a line in the sand of like having some ethics right of protecting the children of those rebels versus General Melgren, who is the guy who leads all the armies and has the power to see outcomes, wants this like more brutal method. So it's just an interesting layer to the mom of she's the, from what yeah. we've gotten from her. She's very intense and we don't know the whole history of the rebels and stuff, but no, she's I'm not so glad you brought this to light because this kind of changes my whole perspective on her. Like, obviously, she's not perfect, but I was, like, under the illusion that she was clearly going to be a villain in all of this. And I think this, like, throws in a wrinkle that possibly she's not. 
Right. Or at least she has values. She has mm-hmm. some moral compass well, guiding really, her. It, I think it made like her characters in general complex. Yeah. More complex than it was before. Yeah. Um, getting the sense that General Melgren, though. He might he's not, giving big. <laughs> he's giving big villain energy. Yeah, he's yeah. giving might be a problem. Yeah. Um, and TBD on the king. Yeah, I don't know who the king is. I don't remember that. They only mentioned him once that his son died in the oh, conscription that's right. process, that's but right, we have yeah. literally no other information. But yeah, so just an interesting little quote. Yeah, and well, that's like a perfect to have set up going into this chapter because now I'm going to read my notes with like a whole new lens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So they're in a their battle brief class um, with Professor Devera. She discusses how um, rarely cadets are called to battle before graduation, but in times that they have, it was only third years. Um, and to me, this just screams Violet will be called to battle. Yes. I also wasn't expecting them to be in classrooms. I like getting history. I like it too. It's giving Hogwarts. I was about to say that. (laughs) I was about to say that to me, it was a combination of like Hogwarts when like Snape is kind of like lecturing in the beginning about how this will be the hardest class you ever take and whatever and then um why was that such a good snape voice was it (laughs) yeah oh my god (laughs) um but combined with the l woods moment where she like raises her hand and challenges the professor and then he's like i think you just won your case yeah you know what scene i'm talking about i of course i do yeah no i um I like it because it's also a more natural way to give us some of the background and to set up the context for the plot moving forward. Yeah. And um, I like that it's not just constant like training, sparring, because this is a setting where Violet can actually thrive where I don't have to be worried about her. It was nice to see her like, yeah, be a stronger person here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So the professor explains that they will have this class every day so that they have the most up-to-date information and will be ready to go to battle if called upon. So this is like, this class is literally just like real-time briefings of the war. Um, she So she explains that they will answer to her and Professor Markham. He is from the squ- scribe quadrant, but he's like in charge of like documenting all of the briefings from the war and everything. Um, and he kind of like looks at Violet with such disappointment. He was like supposed to be her star pupil in the scribe quadrant before he retired. And it's like sad to see her there. Um, but Professor Devera starts briefing them on an attack that occurred just last night in which the Peromials use their power from their basically their dragon equivalents. They're called Griffins to penetrate the dragon's wards and 37 civilians died before the squad got out there to resolve the situation. Um, So one, I liked learning the like interconnectedness of the quadrants. Like I was, I was listening to scribe. I was like, so Violet could have had a very important role still as a scribe. It's not like scribes are just like 
manning the libraries like they're yes they working with sound, the writers yeah it made it sound like they they uh yeah are like librarians and shit but they're not yeah. they're like involved in the warfare too and like the strategy piece of it too because yeah. they have all the background so anyway that was interesting two this begs the question would you rather have a griffin or a dragon oh okay so let me give a little bit more detail about the griffins so they are half lion half eagle um they don't have as strong of magical capabilities as dragons and for that reason i choose dragon yeah it's like for battle yeah i think obviously what can beat a dragon because Mm -hmm. i can't picture a lion breathing fire and it's just but if i was gonna have to hang out with one all the time lion eagle for sure yeah that's true that's true um (laughs) that's funny um okay so the area of the attack is the highest mountain range along their eastern border border of their enemy so it makes it a very unlikely place for them to attack because griffins don't have as much power they can't fly as high um And it was also crazy, like I'm recounting Violet's thoughts in this moment, but it was also crazy that the wards faltered, the dragon's wards faltered because their magical abilities are superior um, to the griffins because they can channel more power. I don't really understand all the intricacies, but it was crazy. So, (laughs) so like why would they attack the mountain range and what caused the wards to falter are Violet's like two big questions. And the professors like open it up to questions from the first years, um, but they can't like tell the cadets everything because there's security reasons. But um, but they ask them to like go ahead and ask questions to demonstrate their critical thinking skills. Um, and so through that, we learn that this is not the first time the wards have faltered and the attack led to one injured dragon and one dead rider. And so Violet like kind of nudges Rhiannon and she's like, um, um, and tells her to ask what altitude the village was at. And Rhiannon's like, what? Okay. And she asks, which in which, uh, the scribe tells her that it was a little less than 10,000 feet. And then they ask Rhiannon why she asked that. And I was nervous. Um, but she figured it out and she said, it just seems a little high for a, planned attack by griffins and professor devera then turns to violet knowing it was her question and says tell me why that's bothersome cadet sorengale and maybe you'd like to ask your own questions from here on out which just like totally blows violet's cover like she's trying to play low-key she doesn't know want to know want people to know who she is and it's really giving famous harry potter like when when in the first movie and stuff when they'd be like famous Harry Potter Mr. Harry Potter and everyone's like oh, and like gasped and turns and like whispering <laughs> that's like the energy yeah. he's giving me except he like wasn't good in his classes that's but- true that's true <laughs> but um okay I, I actually I have a comment but I think it'll mm-hmm. make more sense and a little once we say more about the attack so okay Um, So this is where Violet, as I said, has her like Elle Woods moment in which she explains that 
It's an illogical place to attack unless they knew the wards would falter because griffins are not as strong at that altitude and neither is their ability to channel like we said before. And based on where the attack took place the time and the timing of when the squad arrived, based on like how long it would take either team to travel, she claims that their squad must have already been on the way, a.k.a. known the attack was coming before it happened. And at this, like, everyone's, like, laughing, like, oh, my God, don't be so freaking ridiculous. How would they ever know? Like, people can't, like, tell the future. Why would you insinuate that? Um, but the teacher doesn't laugh. She stays focused on Violet, and she's like, and why would they already be on their way? And Violet says, because they somehow knew the wards were breaking. And that's when Jack Carlo is about to say, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but... The professor cuts him off and he's like, or she's like, she's right. The dragon sensed the faltering ward and the wing flew. And I just feel like what a victorious moment for Violet. Like, yeah. Also very ominous knowing that the, the, um, enemy can sense or somehow knows when their wards will falter exactly. and can capitalize on it. Yeah, exactly. And I and they don't know what is causing them to falter. Um, so I can kind of like wrap up kind of the next part. So they open up the questions to the second and third years, which includes Zayden. And he asks the professor what the state of the um, uh, whatever you call it, city village was. And um she said that the buildings that had already been through, they had already been through, were burned down and the rest were being looted. And so that brings them to the conclusion that they're looking for something and it wasn't riches. I'm quoting now. That's not a gem mining district, which begs the question, what do we have that they want so badly? And and that's the question that, that no one can answer, not even the professor. They don't know. That's the big mystery is what are they hunting down? And um, um, Violet thinks something in her tone tells me it's not just third years who might be called into service this year. Yes. So this is where I had some thoughts because war is coming. Clearly, they're already at war. So that's kind of dumb to say. But like war is ramping up. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like this this war is so long that sometimes there's kind of, like, less Lulls. action, more action. Seems like things are really... Something's happening where there might be more frequent attacks. We don't know. We don't know what the what the enemy people are after. What's their name? Like, what's... I can't think of it right now. Promials? Pro- the Promials. So, what I was thinking is... Violet's mom must have already known all this because she's so high up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She must have known like battles are increasing. And I almost wondered maybe that's one of the reasons she insisted on Violet joining because she knew they'd need more forces. That's, that's a, a good point. That's a great point. And probably true. Like she definitely knows. And so basically forcing your daughter to go is like forcing her to go to war but it's almost like what's a good point to going off of that is maybe she's like 
attacks are inevitable and I want you to be able to defend yourself. And if you're a yeah. scribe, you can't. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. All good. I thoughts. like that. All good thoughts. So, um, so also something I noted in this area that Violet kind of throws out is her understanding is that Navarre, their nation has offered several peace bids over the past 400 years and Promiel has always declined. So I'm interested to see if that's like actually true or if it's just like propaganda. Um, I'm getting the sense that there's some propaganda here. She at mm -hmm. some point says she's been taught that they're like greedy and yeah, whatever other words she was using, but basically like, they're being their entire society is being painted as just like just like greedy wanting more can't like be happy with what they have and like needlessly attacking and it just mm -hmm. there's definitely more layers there that will come yeah. to fruition yeah no i totally agree that was that was my hunch as well um so that the book kind of has like a break it's still chapter five though um and it cuts to their sparing class where Rhiannon's just going on and on about how she's so impressed at how good she is, is at academics and at the brief and um <clears throat> but Violet's like oh don't worry we're now at the class where I'm I'm going to struggle um and it, as they uh enter the boxing ring basically um but then she does make a deal with another cadet named Sawyer and Rhiannon that she will help them with history and academics if they, you know, help her get some moves. Um, and it's at this moment that they make this deal that all of a sudden they hear a shrieking scream and they turn over and look and Jack Harlow has full on broke someone's neck and killed someone. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do about him. Because either he's crazy, he's a straight up villain murderer, psychopath, he's like a psychopath. he's he's got to be like a big time murderer. Like he he's not just the Draco Malfoy, like the like the little villain that like causes problems before we actually deal with the real villain of Voldemort. Like he's a yeah. straight up villain. He's a straight he's, up villain. He's the one from Hunger Games. Yeah. The crazy guy. So I think the only solution is Violet has to kill him at some point. Does violence get solved with violence? In I don't think there's any breaking case, through to him. <laughs> in this case, yes. He's got to go. I No, I agree. Yeah, he's, I agree. He freaks um, me out. Yeah. Yeah. So... Rihanna gets called into the ring with another cadet and she's kicks his ass and it's great because that proves that, you know, if she's going to be helping Violet with some fighting, she'll be good at it. Um, and then it's Violet's turn <laughs> and they, they're like circling each other on the mat, on the mat, um, kind of like talking a little smack before. And, um, her opponent says, Soren Gale, you really should dye your hair if you don't want anyone to know who your mother is. You're the only silver-haired freak in the quadrant. To which Violet replies, oh, it's important to note to make Violet's reply make sense. But her opponent 
has like a what is it called a relic relic a rebel relic the rebel relic so she's the child of a former rebellion participant and um so violet replies never said i cared if everyone knows who my mother is which we all know she does i am <laughs> proud of her service to protect our kingdom from the enemies both without and within Burn. you know <laughs> i thought it was uh i thought it was a a choice to start trash talking the girl who's definitely about to beat you up. Like Violet knows she doesn't have a lot of skills. Um, But then, you know, in the next line, she had a good point where she said, whenever you like let emotion get into a fight, you've lost. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a wise thing to say. I don't know if that, that that's true in this case, because it feels like in a physical fight, emotion could almost help you like this girl is gonna go even harder on you yeah but i think that's true in a verbal fight yeah um yeah the it seemed like maybe at first it was gonna work but like she's dodging her punches because she's like swimming swinging so sporadically but like ultimately she's just so significantly better like i think that it would have worked if violet had more training because Violet was like dodging her punches, but like not really getting any good swings in there. But if she was like trained and stronger, she would have been able to like take the opportunity of dodging and like attack as well. But she's just like playing defense. You know what I mean? Well, the issue, the issue with this sparring practice, which they set this up as it's supposed to truly be a practice just to get a gauge on everyone's skill level. But the issue is with sparring is that it only ends when someone's trapped and pinned down and, says that they yield but no one wants to yield on this first day because then you look weak. weak so it ends up not really being a practice because people are still going as hard as they would normally yeah and I mean in summary what happens is the opponent says you bitch your mother murdered my family attacks her pins her down um like tries to stab her oh yeah i forget i skipped over that she does try to stab her but the armor that mira gave her on her vest protects her so she literally almost dies and then she gets pinned down on her stomach and she's like pulling her arm back and ever and like dane is like almost pleading shouting for her to say yield but like violet won't and sometimes i just like don't understand violet like we get her inner thoughts and she's so scared. She feels so weak, like whatever. But then her actions, like she's so bold with her words. And then she like doesn't yield in this situation. Like her actions don't align with her inner fears. And I respect the fake it till you make it. But like you're not going to make it when you're face down on the ground when your arm's being ripped off. You know what I mean? Also, yeah, sure. I get that yielding makes you look weak, but you're not going to win. And if your arm breaks, which it does, you're in a way worse situation and not a handicap. And also, Dane's got to play it cool. He can't He can't be freaking out in front of everyone. Yeah, he does. He freaks out. And the last line of the chapter is, I hear it again, the sound of snapping bone, but this time it's mine. Ugh. When was the first snapping of the bone? Oh, oh when the, the neck guy. broke and the guy died. God. Yeah. So so brutal so aggressive 
so really quickly chapter six because it picks up it picks up like right after but i mm-hmm. also want to take a moment for that little quote because oh, of course let's do it i think i think that one is interesting too this quote is from major frederick's modern guide for healers and it says it is my opinion that of all the signet power writers provide mending is the most precious but we cannot allow ourselves to become complacent when in the company of such a signet for menders are rare and the wounded are not. So I, this is another layer into my previous prediction. Okay. So that quote made me think maybe Violet signet's going to be that she's a mender because it says her brother was a mender and was going before he got killed. and my second piece is that and this is more of a stretch but i had been thinking like what if her mom wanted to enroll her in the in the writers because she knew war was coming but what if her mom thinks like mending runs in the family and so wanted violet to join so that she could follow in her brother's footsteps i don't know how signets work and like if siblings have the same ones but so I don't know because I'm I think that the signet power you get is like a power. My understanding is that it's a power the dragon has and gives you. So like, can that be inherited? Or maybe it lives in you, and the power that the dragons wield like enlights it. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, and I don't know. These intro quotes could be totally random, and I'm just trying to read into them, but. Um, you no, know, I like that. gotta make some pre- gotta make some big predictions, but no, yeah, I, I like could be you way taking off. A stance. I like you taking a <laughs> stance. Um, I don't really know what this one. What what else this one could mean? Um, but I can't wait for the moment where it like comes to light, and we're like, oh my god. Yeah, this quote literally could just be because she's about to get healed and it's like giving some insight into like the healing and mending profession. <laughs> but um I think she's going to be a mender. All righty. All righty, we're locking it in. Um I kind of hope she's something cooler. <laughs> like more flashy. True, but it says they are the most precious. That is true. And would be nice if she could like save like Paul Thera, like how she saves Resan. She could like save Zayden. Yeah. And all of a sudden it gives her like one of the highest ranking and like most coveted roles. But she's got to so get one. She's got to get one that's like never seen before. True. What do you, well, so what do you, if you had to take just a shot in the dark, what would you be happy to, for her signet to be? I don't know like um something that like goes along so she's like really smart she could just pull a favor and have all of them honestly I wouldn't (laughs) put it past her I wouldn't put it past her um I don't know let me let me let me think about it a little bit more it's hard for me just shot in the dark (laughs) <laughs> I need more examples of, of skills because there's such a variety, like, you know, 
I don't know. Yeah. What if she had one where like she can sense when a battle's coming or like mm-hmm. to, similar to major what's his face? Um, Something like that, like strategic so that she or like she can like tell if someone's lying or not or um yeah i don't know or maybe like she can like look at a building and like go in her mind and see like the entire map of the building and it would like help no, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be something more intellectual. Okay. Um, and I'm, I think it's going to be something no one's had before is my only prediction. Okay. Um, okay. So chapter six. So it opens with Dane, like carrying Violet in his arms, running to, um, I wrote to the writer's quad, but I meant the healer squad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Violet's like, everyone saw you lose it. He's like, I didn't lose it. She goes, you shouted and carried me out, carried me out of there like I mean something to you. And he's like, you do mean something to me. And she's just like, and now everyone knows it in her head. But my heart melted in this moment. This part made me like him. But you're so right now that like the way he's acting is so Tamlin. And... But I, I liked it. I, I actually was like starting to really like him in these chapters and I don't, I don't want him to be bad. And I, but I also don't want to like him because I think he is going to be bad. I, yeah, I don't know that he's going to be bad. I, I don't know that he's going to be at least Tamlin bad, but he, yeah, I don't think he's like not bad as a person, but just kind of like on the wrong side of history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that's like, we'll see. That's what that's what they did to Tamlin in the Hunger Games is what they end up doing to Gale, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the future I see for him. But I'm also like really liking him and like could ship them. Yeah, I do too. I need to understand their relationship more. Um, like when Violet was like, you, you were acting like I mean something to you. I'm like, yeah, you're lifelong friends. Like obviously yeah. you mean something to him um she she's trying to like bait him so hard the, yeah, yeah for the validation but yeah. um yeah I I it's I mean he's also the only like besides Rian and the only like safe place so whenever he's around right now it's very comforting but I see problems in their future yeah so when they get to the healer's quadrant like there's the healer and then she calls you know the mender or whatever and one m- moment I want to know is like both of these people who are like very high up in their professions as healers and menders, they are both like going about their day being like, Oh, bring the, another cadet in blah, blah, blah. And then they notice it's Violet and they're like, oh, Violet. And I like this. I like how, because she's the daughter of her mother, the general or commander or whatever she like, I love how all of these adults know her and like her you know what I mean yeah I agree and have relationships with her already like the scribe now now the healer and the mender and whatever but I also wonder why she was at the healer and mender so often like don't you think like she keeps on saying throughout this whole scene how 
like she's done this a million times she's been mended a million times but i'm like why like maybe you are supposed to be in the rider's quadrant like if you're like constantly doing things to get hurt so two things one she totally wants to be in the rider's quadrant dane has given her so many outs and she keeps being like no 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 and like if i really wanted out of something i would take him up on that you know well Um, my mindset on that is that she is just thinking if they pull me out my mother is going to force me back in and then I'm even more of a target and I look even weaker. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess it just feels like she doesn't want to give up and she has this like, I'm doing this. So I'm committing kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like she, now that she's, now that her mom like pushed her into it, she's like, I'm going to succeed at doing this. Like, I think she wants to, now that she's there, like she wants to do well. Yeah. Second, second, I'm confused because they they set it up like if you get hurt or you get seriously wounded and you die too bad you don't deserve a dragon (laughs) and then now it's like oh but we have this infirmary and if you like you'll get rushed there and you can just get mended from sparring practice like I don't know what what when they also just like torched like three kids the first day just because they like were nervous um well I think it's different when you like die versus get yeah. injured yeah but yeah like they're I guess not bringing just... them back to life yeah I guess that's true <laughs> I guess I'm I'm, you know, I'm glad that they have healers and menders it just felt like you're like completely on your own that's how they set it up totally totally and I and I think maybe that's really what that quote is kind of maybe trying to reconcile right like menders are rare the wounded are not so like yeah I think it's just contradictory that they allow the cadets to kill each other but then they also have healers and menders on site like if you're concerned with healing and mending people you're not allowing them to just kill each other just because they can but I don't know it's a lawless land it's a lawless land (laughs) I do think that like the professors were trying to get them to chill the fuck out at the sparring practice not very hard but they were and I think the codex is designed to keep people but then I also think that like in practice people turn a blind eye a lot of times yeah and just kind of like shake their head when things happen like there's no like real repercussions like Jack Harlow fucking killed a guy at sparring and he's like what it's not my fault is next week like that's literally yeah and they're all like jack yeah don't do that (laughs) yeah that was crazy okay so anyway let's get into it so um can kind of skip through some of this a little bit um so basically Winifred is the healer she's like oh no Violet are you here now blah blah she calls Nolan the mender um, but when she goes to call for Nolan, Dane's like, no. And my favorite part about this chapter is it's like very chaotic here, right? Cause like she's super injured. She's going in and out. The, they're trying to help her. It's like giving ER vibes. And like in this moment, it's like the quote of Winifred calling Nolan. And then it's like the quote of Dane going, no. And then it's her just thinking, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Violet just thinking, excuse me. <laughs> And then it like goes on to the next line. It just, I was reading it, I guess, very quickly and like as if it was chaotic and him being like, no. And she's just like, excuse me, I'm hurting here. What do you mean? No. 
Yeah, that and this was, is what I, I mean. That's that so funny. Dane doesn't really have a plan. He like brought her there, but then he's like, no, we can't heal her. We need to get her out still. And I was like, Dane, we're past that point. We're on chapter six. She's staying. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because like chapter six of Akatar, we were like still in the human realms. Um, not actually, but you know what I mean? Um, okay, so we eventually get to the why, which you kind of were already saying, like his why of saying don't heal her is that maybe if she's injured, they'll let her join the scribe quad. Yeah. Because she can't go back and fight, which just infuriates Violet. Um, and then the Nolan, the Nolan, the mender comes in named Nolan and he is not pleased that Violet's here hurt again. And he's turns to Dane. He's like, she's with you. Okay, so I, I really like this part. So Dane responds, I'm her squad leader. Like putting her under my command was the only thing I could think of to keep her safe. And Nolan's like, such an old man response. Not doing such a good job, are you? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> your, your responses are giving like the same tone that you give about Tamlin. It's funny to me. Um <laughs> Except I had to pretend to like him for an entire season. Yeah, that's so true. true. Um, Okay, so honestly, like I can kind of skip through this. Basically, there's just like a lot of arguing between Dane and Violet um, about if she should be mended or not. Ultimately, she does get mended. He's asked to leave and he gives up and, and follows orders and she is mended and basically blacks out from the pain. Because it's still like, you still have to like heal after he mends it. Um, So it jumps from there to... Yeah, but then what's oh, the point sorry. of... A, what, why is a mender so much better than a healer? Like he mended her, but then she's in a cast for four weeks. That's oh, not that much just, shorter than... I thought it was just a week. Oh, I thought it was like three to four weeks in a cast or a sling. Is it just a week? That changes my opinion. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because she has like two weeks to get ready for matches. And she like tells Rhiannon like, okay. I'll be in this for a couple of days and then I'll be good to go. Okay, um, well, that's that's good. So mending is not perfect, but it's it is a big improvement from just yeah i think it's like similar to how um um faye can like heal themselves but it still like takes a minute yeah you know what i mean um okay so Violet gets back to the bunks rhiannon's so glad to see her she assures her she's gonna like help her train and get ready for the matches in two weeks. Um, And in this moment, like Violet's climbing into bed and she finds a journal underneath her pillow with a note from Mira, her sister. And I'm just going to read the little note really quick. Violet, I stayed long enough to read the rolls this morning and you aren't on them. Thank gods. I can't stay. I'm needed back with my wing. And even if I could stay, they wouldn't let me see you anyway. I bribed a scribe to sneak this into your bunk. I hope you know how proud I am to be your sister. Brennan wrote this for me the summer before I entered the quadrant. It saved me, and it can save you too. 
I added my own bits of hard-earned wisdom here, here and there, but mostly it's his, and I know he'd want you to have it. He'd want you to live. Love, Mira. So, she is giving Violet a journal that Brennan kept her brother, their brother, um, with, like, tips and tricks for surviving becoming being a cadet and it's giving half-blood prince snape's copy yeah it's a little cheat little cheat sheet yeah and this is really exciting um at first violet like almost cries so we learn that their mother burned everything he owned after he died as tradition dictates so seeing his handwriting like makes her emotional. It's like the first time she's seen anything of his since his death. And this like flashed a very, very, very vague memory for me of okay. a possible like meme or quote or something I saw and about I, like, fourth wing. Yes. And I didn't realize what it was because I think it was just like a quote, like a significant quote from a random book. And like, I didn't recognize it. And so I was like carrying on with my life. And I don't even remember, but I think that there's something that, and this could be totally off base and I'm making this up, but I think that there's something about the burning of the dead's things that like comes up again later like I can't remember but I remember there being like maybe something significant with the mother and his things being burned that gets like revealed later so I don't know that's interesting I can see I can see the brother like still being a, a factor and more about his death and stuff coming out you know yeah so yeah like maybe how she doesn't emotional. have the real story of his death. Yeah, but how emotional for her to get this. Like, obviously, if mm-hmm. your sibling died and you don't have any of his things and now you have this, like, journal where it's almost like he's speaking to you again yeah, yeah. and helping it's- you. And I said cheat sheet earlier, but it's more so giving her, like, the strategy for how to get through mm-hmm. Um like how the leaders are designing the challenges and this and the pairings for the sparrings and stuff like that. So how to like prepare herself ahead of time, knowing how the leaders are thinking about things, which is lovely for her. Yeah. So the big piece of, um, so she reads like the first entry, which is about like after you've passed the, the parapet and everything, Um, And when you start to have matches. So his first piece of advice is that although matches appear random, they aren't. They are designed, the matches are designed to weed out the week and are decided in like the week before. So he says, here's a secret. If you know where to look and can can get out without being seen, you'll know who you're fighting so you can prepare. And hope blossoms in her chest. I liked that quote. Um, so she has two weeks to get everything she needs, figure out who she's up against. And I think that there's more information in the book that we're going to like hear about how to do that. Um, and she's going to be able to get everything she needs cause it's all in the journal. 
And the last line is a slow smile spreads across my face. I know how to survive. Thank God. Well, that's what I was saying when you said you were still worried about our girl. I was like, but now she's got the keys to the kingdom. Well, she's got the, I'm not worried about her sparring. I I feel like she'll figure out her opponent and use her, you know, agility and speed. Like, but maybe um, Zayden. I'm worried about Zayden Zayden still. This doesn't help her against Zayden. That's still, I don't, you know, I have no idea how that's going to unfold, but. Yeah, I think it sounds like it sounds like your biggest worry is and mine as well is is the fact that it seems totally fine to have a surprise attack. And I'm so unclear on the rules still like there's just Mm -hmm. these random rules, but also they're totally okay with people dying. Obviously, they expect people to die and they're okay with killing in certain circumstances. And it's just not clear when that is. So I have no idea. Like it's going to be a surprise attack for us. I have no idea when she's safe and when she's not safe. I, yeah, I will say overall, these these chapters, I, I really like Violet. Like, I actually really like the character, which is rare for me. It usually takes me a while to warm up to people I've learned. Um, I'm starting to really like Dane. Um, obviously, you made an excellent point about Tamlin, but if I'm being honest, when I was reading, I was swooning. Um, <laughs> and... I'm interested in the new complexity with General Sorengale and what's the other guy's name? These General Melgren. Yeah, these names are gonna be the death of me. Yeah, General there's just there's been a there's been a lot of new characters right away. Akatar was so easy, there was like three people up until yeah. halfway through the book. But yeah. um We've learned even like a ton of cadets' names that I just haven't mentioned. Hopefully they're not important. Um but I also, I also want to say that so far, one of my favorite things about this book are those little quotes before <laughs> each chapter, because they're like just random clues that they just throw in that I know are all going to have meaning later and they're all going to make sense. And it's really fun to just like, as you read them, you're like, oh, they're just completely random, like not really attached to the story right now, but it's it's a fun way to um, form hypotheses as to what's going to happen in the plot. So I, I have, like those. I have genuinely skipped over every single one. So I need you to should start, start reading, reading them. them. <laughs> and I love like <laughs> hypothesizing and coming up with theories. So I, I do need to start reading them. And I think the quote about Sorengill is like a huge wrinkle. I think so too. As I read that one, I was like, oh, like these are not just random Mm -hmm. quotes like this is going to be important at some point so yeah yeah how exciting how exciting (laughs) I want to read tonight I know me too but it's also 11 p.m so I will not oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah okay well Sadie is that everything any other comments no I I think that's it I think we are another three chapters down 33 to go (laughs) well I'm loving I'm loving it so far um and I hope everyone else is enjoying this journey with us and um I just god I just can't wait to see what happens with Satan but (laughs) join join us next Wednesday for our next three chapters which will be chapters seven through nine a fourth wing 
And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, both at Gals on Topic. Subscribe, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, rate five stars, leave a review, leave a comment, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you then. Thanks, guys. <laughs>